0: The next set of cases was presented by Dr. Patricia Mayday to Dr. Kathy Miller, beginning with a young woman with a T1CN0 ER ER-positive HER2 negative primary tumor.
1: This is a 51-year-old nurse practitioner. She underwent a lumpectomy and a sentinel node mapping and was found to have a tumor measuring 1.3 centimeters, grade 2. Two of the sentinel lymph nodes were negative for tumor. The tumor was ER positive, PR positive, and HER2 negative. We did oncotype testing, which showed her to be of intermediate risk, and finally decided to treat her with combined chemotherapy and hormonal therapy. She received Taxotere and cytoxin and had significant, very debilitating toxicity from the Taxotere. Profound diarrhea dehydration after her first cycle of treatment became so dehydrated that she passed out on her bathroom floor. A second cycle of treatment was given with increased premedications, Imodium, and prophylactic intravenous fluids given days two and three, was somewhat better tolerated. A third cycle of treatment was given, which again resulted in very profound diarrhea, orthostasis, And at that point, we stopped her adjuvant chemotherapy, started her on an aromatase inhibitor, and that's where she is today.
0: Which AI is she on?
1: She's on Arimidex.
0: To what extent, Pat, are you actually using TC? You hear a lot about it being used in exactly this situation, node negative, ER positive. To what extent are you using it?
1: In my practice, in the last 6 to 12 months, I think I've probably used TC 75 to 80% of the time when I'm looking for adjuvant chemotherapy and not the anthracycline therapy.
0: And how would you say this woman's course with the TC, I mean, it seems like a real outlier. Is that what you normally see, or do you see people having a lot of problems?
1: She was definitely an outlier. My experience with these drugs have been that they are extremely well-tolerated, that patients have had very little problem Perhaps early neuropathy, which was never an issue with her, but this profound diarrhea was quite significant
0: and quite surprising. So Kathy, again, same question. To what extent are you using TC and how does this woman's course compare to what you would normally see?
2: So I certainly have used TC, though, I think less than what Pat's describing. I think the difference is I hadn't given someone AC for four cycles as their only chemotherapy for probably about four years before we had that data you know AC by itself has never been proven to be superior to any chemotherapy regimen It was equivalent to CMF in two trials, and its major advantage was that it was a shorter duration of therapy, but at the expense of more profound alopecia, a small but not zero risk of cardiac toxicity, and a greater risk of long-term myelodysplastic disease. So for the lower-risk patients who I didn't think needed an anthracycline and taxane regimen, I had given those ladies CMF for the four years before then,
0: you mentioned that she was osteopenic and the question of zoledronic acid. And, of course, the Austrian study that was presented a year ago at ASCO and then published in the New England Journal is relevant here. And I'm curious, just using this patient as an example, did you bring up the issue of zoledronic acid?
2: We did talk about that a
1: bit uh-huh. I did talk to her about that. That after the completion of therapy, we were going to consider a course of zoledronic acid every six months, based as you said on the
0: Austrian study. What is going on in your practice, Kathy?
2: We have a couple of approaches. We certainly have not adopted this as the standard therapy for any of our patients. It has become very much an open discussion, and we're fortunate that we are not a swag institution, but we are participating in the SWAG adjuvant bisphosphonate trial. So for the patients who like this idea, would like to get the potential benefits of this therapy, that has become a very nice option for us and really an easy trial to enroll patients for. So overwhelmingly in our practice, the patients who are getting bisphosphonates in the adjuvant setting, it's as part of that trial.
0: And that one's randomizing between three bisphosphonates, right?
2: Yes, so they're randomized to either zoledronic acid using a more intensive schedule than in the ABCSG trial. They get therapy every four weeks for the first six treatments and then every three months throughout the rest of the three-year period or abandronate or clodronate as the two oral options. So what makes that appealing to patients is it has no stipulations on other components of their therapy with the exception of if you have such low risk that you're getting no systemic therapy at all, this is not the place for you. It's also one that in its timing is friendly. Patients can enroll as they're starting their adjuvant chemotherapy, they can have had neoadjuvant chemotherapy and then surgery and then come to this trial, or they can have finished their adjuvant chemotherapy and come to this trial. So it's also a somewhat unique opportunity to be able to really separate clinical trial considerations in their discussions from other treatment decisions. And for some patients, having that freedom to say, let's get started on my standard therapy, get that well in hand or done, and then let me focus on this has been very helpful.
0: So, Pat, have you and this woman discussed this at all? And do you think that maybe this is going to be something you're going to think about?
2: We've entered the
1: discussion. And although we're not active participants in SWOG, we do have access to some of those clinical trials. And quite frankly, preferentially, I would offer her participation in the clinical trial.